Welcome to the Highlander Rewatch Podcast, the podcast where each and every week we talk about another facet of the Highlander universe. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. And today we've got another special episode for you. Uh, today we're bringing you Chronicle number 22. This is the 22nd Chronicle we've done. Uh, oh, and it's today- like you almost had a blackjack, but then you busted. You went yeah, over. we busted. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like to live it's dangerously. Too bad. Mm. <laughs> is that and an so, Austin Powers joke? Okay. It is. We're doing I'm it. Sorry. <laughs> you're not very sorry. Good. Don't pretend you're sorry. Keith, go. Sure. Uh, so this week we have a very special guest. Uh, we're going to be talking to author Jonathan Melville, who has written a new book on Highlander. And so I'd like you to, uh, to read a syn- synopsis right now of the book. Uh, the story of an immortal Scottish warrior battling evil down through the centuries. Highlander fused the high concept idea with the kinetic energy of a pop promo, uh, promo pioneer and Queen's explosive soundtrack to become a cult classic. When two budget-conscious American producers took a chance on a college student's script, they set in motion a chain of events involving an imploding British film studio, an experimental music video director still finding his filmmaking feet, a former James Bond with a spiraling salary, and the unexpected arrival of a low-budget indie film company, Canon Films. (laughs) Author Jonathan Melville looks back at the creation of Highlander with the help of more than 60 new cast and crew interviews, including stars Christopher Lambert and Clancy Brown, revisiting the grueling shoot that took them from the back alleys of London to the far reaches of the Scottish Highlands and onto the mean streets of 1980s New York. With exclusive writer commentary on unmade scripts, a fresh look at contemporary production material, never-before-seen photos from private collections, previously unpublished storyboards and artwork, a glimpse into the promotional campaign that never was, and a look at the ever-expanding franchise, A Kind of Magic, is a book that no Highlander fan can be without. Please welcome to the show, author Jonathan Melville. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Hey, how you doing, guys? All right. That's that quite the description. I'd read, I'd read that book. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like this so, end of that one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> We're so excited to have you on the show. Um, and it's really great because not often uh, nowadays does like new Highlander stuff come out, uh, especially stuff of like this caliber uh, and production value and something that goes as in-depth as your book does. Uh, so we're really excited to talk about it today. Uh, but first, I guess maybe you should tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into, uh, you know, writing? Um, and I know this isn't your first book, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about like the other works you've done. Yeah, well... Um... I suppose I've been working, I did publishing at university about, uh, well, in the 90s at some point. And um, when I left university, I kind of drifted away from, uh, from I wanted to do magazines and, and books and things, but there just weren't many jobs in it. So I ended up moving to doing online stuff. So for the last uh, probably 20 years, I've been doing sort of web content and, and different things with websites. And the last 10 years, I kind of moved more into doing film and TV uh, sort of journalism, even though I'm not a journalist properly, really. Um, so, yeah, so I've kind of been writing about just lots of different films and critiquing them, I suppose, and, uh, and, uh, and, and just kind of realizing at some point that I wanted to write a book. And that was sometime in maybe 20, well, probably about 2008 or nine, actually. And I kept thinking, I've never written a book. I don't know, you know, how do you do it? I've no idea. So I kept putting it off. Um, and then I ended up pitching an article to SFX magazine in the UK for about Tremors, the movie Tremors. And um, they said yes. And it kind of took off from there, really. And then after interviewing some people, I thought, I've got too much content just for an article. Let's write a book on it, interview more people. Uh, and that ended up being a book which came out in 2015. So um, after that, I, I kind of just uh, was looking around 
kind of looking around for new ideas. Uh, and that was in 2015. And then 2016, I'd, I started thinking about Highlander because I've been a fan since, uh, well, again, since the 90s. Um, and then here in Edinburgh, where I live in Scotland, uh, we have an international film festival. And it was the 30th anniversary of Highlander's uh, release in, in uh, 2016. And Clancy Brown was announced as being one of the guests. And I just thought, oh, well, if I could get Clancy, then maybe there's a book here. And I did. So that kind of was the, the, the sort of impetus for the book happening. That's cool. Well, you got, you got to pounce on that opportunity to interview Mr. Krabs. Like, when else are you going to get the chance? <laughs> well, exactly. And I, I also knew, although I wasn't, um, I suppose, almost as much of a fan as I am now, because I, I listened to, like, your podcast and another, you know, other podcasts that are out there, uh, and, you know, read the, 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 the sort of um, Highlander Facebook pages and things. Sure. But, but even then, I knew that Clancy Brown didn't really talk about Highlander very much. Uh, yeah. And the point, the whole point, and we'll, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, but for me, the point of the book was if I couldn't get anything new, what was the point in doing it? Because guys like you who know the films inside out, um, it would be kind of cheating you really if you were going to spend money on something. You're like, oh yeah, I knew that. And yeah, I knew that. And I've read that before. And so I just thought, well, why, why do that? So that's why I put the effort in. Um, some people, I think, maybe think too much effort because uh, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of interviews. Do you have someone in mind when you say someone thinks you put in too much effort? <laughs> Is there someone you're thinking of? A few, a few people. Uh, my partner, she, she, she does sometimes say, why, why have you interviewed 60 people? <laughs> you know, would you not have got the same book with 30 people? And I kind of say, well, what about if the 31st person was the person that had the best stories? Right. Right. <laughs> I don't know if that's, that's a good response, but that's kind of my response. So. Um, I think that's a perfect response. I just like the, the complaint. This book is too ambitious. <laughs> this book well, what is a thorough job good. you did. Be ashamed. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Well, yeah. Anyway, so that's where we are now. So <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, um, I just want to say, like, we've been, we've been doing this podcast for five years, and there are people that have been in the Highlander community much longer than us, certainly. But talking about Highlander every week, like this book has stories like we've never heard before and we've never Good. read before. Yeah, so it's like, great. Folks, this is the real deal. Like you're not going to hear the same stories you've heard at the conventions over and over. This is like, there's some amazing stuff in here. Um, sorry to yeah. interrupt. With no, it's good. <laughs> also, I, I'll say personally too that, uh, you know, even if all the stories might not be 100% new to certain uh, readers, that having the Highlander history put forth in terms of like a narrative uh, is really nice because it's like fans or super fans or whatever, you know, we know little bits of uh, info from maybe YouTube interviews or an article we read and it's all these disparate bits of information and only kind of the super fans kind of know how it all is connected. Uh, but this book condenses it all into a, into a format that even a casual fan of the, the franchise can look at and read and get a lot out of, I think, which is cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. I suppose that was the um, that was sort of the ambition. I mean, I, I suppose when I started, I had a rough idea of how it would look. I did do it myself. I did write a bit of an outline, but until you start, um, you know, you don't know how it's going to end up until you until you start speaking to people and things like talking about the film studios. Uh, I mean, some of that was very. I hope it wasn't boring to read, uh, but it was Some of it was quite dull to write, writing about <laughs> the business side of, of a film, um, but. But I tried to make it a bit more interesting than, than it could be. 
Um, were, were you worried at any point that Canon Films was going to learn you about the book and then write a cheaper, faster version of the book before you could print it? <laughs> was that something you were concerned about? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, a cheap, a cheap knockoff version. <laughs> um, straight to Kindle. Yeah, yeah that's it. Um, so, I mean, I guess on that sort of on that topic, obviously you had success earlier with a, a book on tremors. Is there a, a certain through line in what interests you about these these properties uh, between Tremors and Highlander? It's funny, isn't it? I mean, I guess both of these films, uh, the, well, the first films in the franchises were, were not that successful at the box office. So there's a, there's a sort of a theme there. Um, um, I, mean, I suppose that's it really. I mean, it's films that I enjoy. That's, the, that's actually one of the big mm -hmm. things. I, did, I wanted to read this book and no one else had written it. So I thought I'm gonna have to do it myself. Um, and I love interviewing people. I love speaking to, to people behind the scenes who you know, worked on films and especially these slightly older films that and it was a slightly different way of making films, I think, back then with, uh, without CGI and things. So, um, yeah, so I guess, uh, you know, I'd be, it would be interesting to maybe write something about a brand new film, like a, it might be interesting anyway, a CGI-laden film, but uh, for me, it's more of the kind of practical effects and let's say almost old school. I mean, in 1985, there were still that kind of almost the old school of, of, of British filmmaking going on. And then Russell Mulcahy came along and kind of blew it all up a bit, I think, with with his um, his music video stylings, you know, I think. And I don't know, I hope I got that across, but there was certainly that, a little bit of a clash, I think, between between Russell and some of the old school guys. Well, he just sounds like, he sounded like a, a I don't want to say a terror, but maybe like a, a whirling dervish or a dynamo on set and was just like, <laughs> Go, go, go. And everybody else is kind of like, oh. <laughs> like, and he brought some of his old guard in and, but he still had to kind of work with other folks. So that, that was really yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. He sort of had to, he, I don't know if they ever managed to tame him, but I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, maybe he, he taught them more of his style than they taught him, but there was definitely a nice collaboration going on, even though I think it took a little while to happen. Uh, maybe it took a little a while to gel. Hmm. So you, you mentioned that you kind of came to Highlander in the 90s. Uh, and we think it's really interesting, you know, kind of joining the Highlander fandom uh, through our podcast, uh, how people come to Highlander in so many different ways. Uh, you know, some people came through it through the show, uh, the movies, even the cartoon, all sorts of different ways, uh, or through their parents. So how did you discover Highlander for the first time? And I know you talk about it in the book a bit, uh, but maybe if you oh, could just- Spoilies. I know, so. <laughs> no, no. Um, well, the main way I, I heard about it, I mean, I'd, I'd heard of Highlander, but I was, um, in 1986 when it came out, um, I was 10 and I moved, so I was living in Edinburgh where I live now. Um, I moved to the Highlands of Scotland, actually, in uh, July 86. In fact, it was probably the 1st of August 86, roughly a few days after my birthday. Uh, and the film came out in the cinema, I think, in, in August in the UK. So I was only 10, but I, so I probably would never have seen it anyway. Um, anyway, fast forward to 90, uh, I think it was 94. And I was going to university back here again. And there was a double bill of Highlander and The Crow at my local, one of my local cinemas. Yeah, it was like a, not quite midnight, but it was maybe 11 o'clock at night starting. And, uh, and I had not seen, I think the, the crow had maybe just come out at that point. 
So they were kind of teaming it up with something that was sort of similar, I suppose, in theme. Uh, and that's where I saw it. So, but of course the internet, you know, it's that whole thing of the internet wasn't quite what it is now. I think it was probably, I think there was an internet at that point. I think we were using it a bit, but certainly the websites and things were very limited, weren't they, at that point? And um, maybe there was one page somewhere that talked about Highlander, but, right. but finding out much more about it was really just a case of, I don't know, just speaking to people, I suppose, or it just wasn't that, that fandom, certainly the online fandom, of course, didn't exist. So, so it stayed with me, but um, I never really saw myself, and I, I, I maybe shouldn't say this, <laughs> but I never saw myself as a as a super fan. You know, I, I didn't. I loved the film, and I bought the film on on, on video. Um, but I didn't kind of obsess over every part of the film. I just enjoyed it as a as a great film to watch. Sure. And I guess as the years went on, it uh, it grew a little bit. So. Yeah. Awesome. What, uh, did you ever consider doing uh, a look at Highlander beyond just the first film, or no? It was that was always the no. plan. <laughs> well, that's good. No, See, no. As ambitious as you were, you had limitations, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the Tremors book. Sorry. Oh, I was just say it could have been like four thousand interviews covering right. five five Highlander movies. I know, I know. <laughs> well, for my Tremors book, I interviewed about the same amount of people for four films and a TV series and I covered them all um, and then when I was almost ready to publish it they announced another film oh, so I kind of I then had to delay a little bit and they'd waited 10, whole, 10 years and then when I was about to go with mine they said we're bringing another one out um, but so, so part of it mainly it really just the, you know again the, the, the quality of the sequels to me are just not not that great so I thought Whatever do I you wanna, mean? I know, I know it's <laughs> controversial that statement, but yeah. But I thought if I'm going to spend uh, a year or two or three writing, I want to do something that I enjoy, uh, and also I think I was hope I hoped at that time the first film would be, um, you know, have enough in there that would justify a book, and I think it did. I think it, I think that worked out. And of course, you, as you know, I did cover the sequels briefly, but. Um, but yeah, yeah. No. Cool. Um, um, I, yeah. I like the way the, the, the formatting of your book goes through, well, obviously kind of chrono chronologically how the movie came to be, but it's broken up into different chapters about, you know, how the story got written or how the fight choreography came about or special effects or filming in the Highlands versus filming in New York. Was there a particular aspect of Highlander that you were most excited about, like learning about? Like, oh, I really want to know how they did this or how the music came about or whatever. Um, I think it was all, it's all pretty equal. I mean, it, it took quite a while to work out what the exact order of filming was. Uh, so there were a few people, some of the, the people that were involved in the film, they kept diaries at the time. So they were very kind and sort of sharing some of the, the dates that they had in their diaries. Um, so, and I was emailing a few times and saying, okay, so was it London and then Scotland and then New York and then London or was it... There's a, there's a, it was a kind of a bit of a jigsaw trying to put it all together. So that did take quite a while. Um, I was really keen to cover the music, of course, and try and cover Queen. That took a long time. I didn't think I would get Queen or Brian and Roger. Um, and uh, I did, which is great. Uh, and it also just took a long time to get the likes of Christopher and Russell. I think, uh, bizarrely, the man who has kept away from Highlander for the longest is Clancy. 
and the man who doesn't speak about it is Clancy, and he's the one I got easiest, right. <laughs> <laughs> which is weird. Um, Russell, I spoke to first on the uh, on the phone when he was in Africa. I think he was in South Africa filming something, and I managed to get him when he was in his car going to the airport. And he said, "Oh yeah, no, I'd love to love to chat." And it took another year to speak to him. Um, and then Christopher, I was meant to speak to him the week after Clancy, because Clancy was going to go down to London to do a special event uh, at a cinema in, in London with with Christopher. And I went down to that screening. And sadly, there was a, an, a, an illness in Christopher's family, and he had to, to deal with that. Uh, so that got cancelled. So I had to wait another year and a half for that one. So at certain times, I was a bit worried that things maybe wouldn't happen. Uh, but really, pretty much everything that I wanted to happen managed, it happened. So what you're reading, apart from Sean, I wanted to try and interview Sean Connery, but he's retired. So that didn't happen. But bizarrely, Sean Connery's brother lives in the next street to me. Uh, wow. And I see him sometimes, well, when we could still get on buses before this pandemic, wow. um, we sometimes end up getting on the bus together and, um, and going to Fountain Bridge. He would get off at Fountain Bridge, which is where they were born. Uh, and I would get off there and go to, to work or whatever. So that was quite strange. So I, have, I did mention to him that I was writing a book on Highlander, but, um, but he didn't. You know, <laughs> he he, he a, couldn't deliver. No, I, I, I almost said to him, could you, you know, check his, get, get his number out of your, <laughs> right. your phone? But, yeah. um, but no. And I met Jason as well, Jason Connery, his son, um, who I interviewed a few times. And I mentioned to him, that was an odd conversation. Um, just because normally you would say to someone, you know, I'm, I'm writing this book about uh, Highlander and I'm, I'm talking about Sean Connery and Chris Lambert and, and saying to somebody, I'm writing a book on Highlander and I'm writing about your dad. It's just the way <laughs> it didn't, it just felt, it was weird. Uh, right. He's very nice about it. But again, sadly, he didn't, he didn't say, oh, I'll get you my dad's phone number. But <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> was I mean, there a it has to be weird for someone to be like, yeah, I'm writing about your dad. And granted, yeah. my dad's not famous, so <laughs> like, that would be exceptionally weird, but no, it's no, got to be a little weird. surreal. Yeah, I, and I, felt, I just felt a little bit yeah, weird and odd saying it, because I thought, oh, this almost sounds creepy saying to someone, <laughs> I'm trying to contact your dad um yeah. even though he is one of the world's biggest film stars but but yeah so but no it was um the original question i think was about was there anything i was looking forward to so no, i think all of it really i just really wanted to try and cover everything and um and i just wanted to try and get a little bit of information about everything in the film uh, and i think i pretty much managed that and there are some names that pop up i guess i'm guessing when you read it i mean for me it's been a I've been so close to this that I'm a bit, uh, you know, a bit, I don't know, dull to the to some of the, the revelations, if you like, but, but seeing some of the names popping up, you might be thinking, how, why did he, how did he speak to this person for two paragraphs? Um, <laughs> you know, it's weird, but anyway, so yeah. But, what was the uh, most, I don't know, surprising interview? The interview that, you know, you didn't quite know what you were going to get when you came into, but walked away like, wow. I couldn't believe I got this content. I think Campbell Muirhead is maybe the one. Uh, and most people won't have heard of Campbell, I'm sure. Um, if he's listening, then I'm sorry, sorry Campbell. But that's, that's probably <laughs> true. He's not, he's not a superstar again. He's not Sean Connery. Mm -hmm. But he was the double or the stand-in for Christopher Lambert on the, on the film in, in the Highlands. 
um, and somebody got in touch on Twitter and said they knew him and he was a he, he does lots of sort of standing and extra work on films today and they put me in touch with him and I had no idea what this chap would be talking about and and just he came up with some just really nice little stories about sitting with Sean Connery in a in a um, I don't know like a shed when it's raining outside and, and getting wet on the floor and uh, you know when they went to film the beach scenes what was happening there and Sean Connery going behind trees and things to uh, to take a piss and stuff like that and, <laughs> and, uh, and the farmers all watching and saying oh it's Sean Connery James Bond James Bond is pissing against my tree <laughs> uh, just stuff like that I just thought that you're not going to get that on the DVD extras so um, so he was pretty cool and um, who else um, I thought Tony Mitchell was an interesting guy he was the one who was the cinematographer in New York who now lives in Germany and he's just uh, as someone says he's kind of on another planet than he was in the, in the 80s because <laughs> he worked for MTV and did all these music videos and there was a lot of drugs going around at that point. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's, yeah. So he was interesting, just the stuff he came out with. Awesome. <laughs> just reading about uh, Russell and his cohorts, or it's, I think one paragraph was like, we would do coke and then stay up till like three in the morning and then go <laughs> film something. I was like, how? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he's like a, 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 a very prolific <laughs> film director. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah. yeah, it was just, I mean, yeah. He was filming rock and roll videos and I think his lifestyle was was completely rock and roll. It's amazing, isn't it? That, and I wanted to try and capture that, although of course it's not a film about the music industry. Um, there's, there's a fantastic book, uh, I think it's called MTV, I Want My MTV. Uh, mm. And it's just all interviews. It's, it's, in, it's more interviews than I did, but it's just kind of an oral history. So it's just one paragraph of one person and the next, it's just you know going through them all uh, and that sort of does that little bit um gives some of the background about what was going on in, in the industry but but no i think it's fascinating all the, just all these different things that were that highlander brought together like we were saying it's, you know the, the the music industry and the, the british film industry and the animation stuff and queen and um just so many things that collided at one time it's funny it's funny one thing that I think is really cool that you do in the book is not only is everything presented as now like a, a full narrative of the making of the movie, but there's some historical context for things. So just like it, little tidbits, like in your music chapter, I love that you talk about that the night they filmed the Silver Cup uh, scene, little spoiler here, uh, this, this is such a great tidbit though, that that is the same night that the Live Aid concert was going on. And that's cool to us because we're from Philadelphia where the Live oh, Aid concert yeah. took place. Yeah. And then the other half was in Wembley. Uh, and to, to kind of just imagine that, you know, after people done, were done filming, that maybe they would go home and turn on the TV and be watching this concert. It's such, such, so cool to like, kind of get into that headspace of like what yeah. people were thinking. And of course, the music wasn't decided at the time. So that's even neat to think about like, well, what's the, what are the big acts that are like impacting people while they're filming this movie? And it's acts like Queen uh, or David <laughs> Bowie or whoever, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's strange, isn't it? I mean, I, I, can't, I can't remember at what point it dawned on me that there was a connection there, uh, but, but that was a nice way to open that chapter, I think. And um, because I was trying as much as I could, of course, you want to try and keep 
every chapter slightly different and introduce things slightly differently. And, um, and that was a, that was an interesting one. Yeah, it was good. It's very cool. Um, since you're now pretty intimately, uh, you have a lot of intimate knowledge of the Highlander universe from, you know, the original scripts to what ended up on the screen. Uh, is there like a version of Highlander you, you wish you got to see, uh, like something that they were planning on doing? Like I know the end fight sequence was supposed to be very, very different than what ended up being filmed or that there's a lot of different characters or character motivations in the original widened script that were then, you know, tweaked for film. Uh, is there anything you wish that like, oh, I wish they had held on to this? were able to do it um, at the time i think i think i agree with uh larry ferguson and peter bellwood who 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 wrote that kind of second version of the script and they talk in the book about how i think russ um gregory's script was uh, clearly it was a fantastic script to have captured the imagination of these um producers and and end up where it is now with all these this um, multi-million dollar franchise but but i think i agree with them when they say that it kind of had people talking about things and then things happening and then people talking about the things that just happened so i think what larry ferguson what ferguson bellwood did was kind of just bring it to life add a bit more maybe a bit more heart to it certainly a bit more humor so no i think there i think what we ended up with was was great but um but it is interesting the memos that i found which are on one of the dvds which is amazing it took me a long time to find those uh but they talk about um the the scenes that were kind of deleted that they filmed so a lot of stuff with uh john polito's character and um um Gar alan garfield's uh i'm trying to remember so bedso and um Trying to remember the police names now, Lieutenant. Oh, um, Garfield. No, um, uh, Moran. Moran. That's Moran, yes. yeah. So there's that Good whole. <laughs> yes, well done. Thank you. There was that. Uh, there was kind of a, a bit of a subplot there with uh, Rachel, uh, that was filmed, but not in the film. Not not didn't go in the film. So I kind of agree with them when they when they they say in in one of the memos, we think you've. You, you you've confused things by taking this out and this out and this out and this doesn't mean so i do wish we'd seen that that full version um and i suppose what we ended up with was a leaner version of it so maybe that's fine and maybe we wouldn't enjoy it as much if if it was the other one but it's a shame that all those deleted scenes are um gone now it would seem yeah definitely um, but well, no, it's interesting because we have yeah. a love-hate relationship with the with like police and Highlander because it's like kind of distracting from the main point. But if it's going to be there, like flesh it out, I guess. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah, and and there's that sequence which the photos exist, uh, and um, Hugh Corsi talks about with the dugout. I think it was called the the club, the New York club that they filmed again, and the photos exist of them sitting in there with the feather bow around the. Uh, John Polito's <laughs> neck and and I wish I could have got John Polito I think I started the book just after he died or, or around about the same time uh, so that would have been great to speak to him but uh, no, the other guys were great um, Hugh Quarshie was was great to talk to Awesome are there any stories oh sorry I'm in Georgia uh, I was just going to say yeah I, I would have liked to talk to Polito too he's a, he's a great actor uh, yeah one of my favorites yeah. yeah brilliant brilliant character actor yeah I did get a quote. I mean, there's a quote in there which I got some from a magazine. But so maybe he wouldn't have had much to say because that's the thing, of course. But for us, it's uh, it's it's like this iconic 
film and uh, we expect everyone I suppose who worked on it to have all these memories and for some of them it was just a day job or right. <laughs> yeah. just a job paid the bills yeah. yeah were there any stories or interviews that you had done that you didn't include in the book either because maybe they just didn't kind of fit or there was no real place for it or maybe they're a little too outlandish or you'd want to share them with us here mm, or did well, pretty much did... everything you do end up in the book Pretty much all of it. I did speak awesome. to a lady who, her name escapes me now. She was the, I think she was the continuity, um, well, they were called continuity girls then, which is a bit sexist now, but that was what everyone called them. Uh, but I spoke to her, she was for the New York section, uh, whose name escapes me. But, and, but it just didn't really, I don't know, there was just nothing. It was sort of interesting. I mean, you know, it was interesting, but maybe just it didn't quite fit the, the rest of the book. and. So sadly, that that was left out. Um, I did speak to someone else who worked with Queen, but that was before I knew I was going to get Queen. And um, yeah, it was, again, interesting up to a point, but I don't think fans would have been like, you'd maybe be wondering why you're reading this. Um, (laughs) And what else? No, I think... Um, I think everything's pretty much in there. I mean, one of the interesting ones was Garrett Brown, who, who, who... invented the sky cam uh which of course is in the madison square garden section and he's quite honest and and open about his involvement and what happened with his payment and and i did (laughs) i I did debate whether i should leave put that in the book because the the point of the book is not to be negative about anybody or derogatory or anything like that but you know he did he he also said if you don't put in what I, I tell you, like as in exact wording, then I don't want my I don't want to be involved at all. I want you to be honest. Um so I'm sort of jump I'm not really saying exactly what happened, but just because it'd be nice for people to read it. But Oh yeah, a, totally. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to give too cool. many spoilers away yeah, or anything. We want to just yeah. tease people enough that they're intrigued. Uh yeah. So that but I mean I suppose I mean talking about there's there's probably not so much things I left out as maybe more when I interviewed. So when I interviewed Clancy, um, I think now, I'm trying to remember exact, talking about timelines and things, I, I, it's, I think what happened was I spoke to um, Jim Aitchison who did the costumes. I think once I knew I had Clancy, I was still kind of emailing people to see, will anyone else speak to me? He might have been the only one. So I think it was him I spoke to, Jim Aitchison, who talked about what happened with the costumes. So the, the kind of present day, modern day, um, Kurgan outfit and there was a little bit of tension he was a little bit um you know his memories were not entirely positive about what happened with Clancy how he treated the costume and I thought well if I'm going to include something like that which is again sort of negative I would like to get the other side of the story so I had the chance then to ask Clancy in person about that so I think it worked I think I hope it works out nicely the fact that you've got someone saying one thing and then Clancy able to say look I was young I was I was a bit stupid I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so that worked. And I mean, maybe I should have been a bit more uh, um, cutthroat or something. You know, maybe I should have just said, ah, and this guy said this and he hated him. And <laughs> that, that didn't really come out. I mean, I admit, okay, admittedly, there were a couple of, maybe a couple of things that were mentioned that I thought I could get sued if I put them in there. So but there was yeah, nothing. That's probably best to leave out, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's nothing. It's nothing that would have made anyone enjoy the film anymore. Uh, I might have gone to trouble, and also there was not really any way to verify something. So, 
I think that probably happens with most books and most interviews. There's always a couple of stories you're like, oh, is that true? Because, and I, of course, the other thing with any interview is people's memories, you know, you, you, you forget things or you remember them slightly differently or you tell a story so many times that it evolves into something else. Right. So, and, um, and then the next thing you know, you write a book claiming that you beat up Jesse Ventura and you get sued about it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's American Cyper, Chris Kyle. Wow. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Getting, sued, getting sued by Jesse the Body Ventura. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, probably a good yeah. use of discretion then. Yeah. Yeah. But not, again, it was nothing that I think he would read and, and think, oh, that changes my view of Highlander. It was just business. A lot of it is because the making of a film is business, of course. Some of it was, it's like business transactions. It's like that person didn't pay me. Mm. it's like okay well that must have been annoying at the time but I, sure. people need to know that 30 years later i don't know right so, yeah. <laughs> the business awesome. stuff is is good to hear about just because you know i i think it's interesting that just people people kind of don't think about that those kind of pressures but they really do like affect the art and it's an important like part of the context um but i, I always get uh, a little like there's one, this isn't really business, but there's one part about the storyboard artist who would like put an X through scenes he thought Russell was telling him to cut out. And then one day he like comes in one of the, one of the other crew people comes Rectors, in. Like, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're cutting scenes out. Now we don't know what, what's being filmed today. And I was just like, Oh, that's like, <laughs> that sounds so stressful. <laughs> I know. That, like, yeah, great to cool. hear. Totally, and that's that thing again of, of if I'd not interviewed, well, of course, if I'd not interviewed that guy, you wouldn't have heard that story. And it's just, nice, it's just a nice little thing. I think the next time you watch that sequence, I think it adds something to it. You know, those people that were there when the, the stairway, stairwell sort of sequence was filmed. I kind of just want people, I suppose I think of it as a glorified, some of it as a sort of glorified director's or, or commentary on the film. So you can sort of, not that you would sit and read it along with it, but hopefully you'll remember some of it. Oh yeah, there was a guy standing just there and he saw that and, um, you know, Sean Corney was in that corner at that point and yeah. I mean, not unlike, you, you got in under the wire, but not unlike your experience with Tremors, there is at least ostensibly going to be a new Highlander <laughs> in the not so distant yeah. future. Now that you're kind of a master on the subject, do you have any <laughs> hopes and dreams for uh, what this new movie might look like? I I kind of hope in a way that it's actually a TV show. I think uh, I think it was Christopher Lambert that said he likes the idea of uh, of it being a Netflix show, and I kind of agree. Or or maybe like a film and then a Netflix series or or something. But I think there's just so much to that backstory, isn't there? And uh, whether you focus more on, on on Heather and Connor for an episode or two, and then move to another time, I don't know how you do that. Of course, whether you, you'd I think you'd probably keep flash, flash, uh, sort of flashing back and forward in time, but you might just get to spend more time with them as, as a couple. And um, so, no, I think for me, I would like to see that that expanded universe a bit more. Um, maybe, maybe it is sort of learning a little bit from the TV show where it had, of course, all these different immortals. Um, maybe you could do that, but still keep that basic idea of that first film. But have more immortals fighting and, and five seasons worth and 
Um, yeah, so rather than an hour and a half to get to the gathering, it takes five years. Well, it's, it's a lot to cram into 90 minutes. <laughs> like, yeah. that's it's, a lot. It's, it's an yeah. ambitious move. And then, like, the next thing you know, it's like, do you want a three-hour movie or do you just want a good miniseries or something? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, I've been reading recently, just in the last few days, about allegedly the, the James Bond producers are suddenly, they've got this idea of the expanded Bond universe. Uh, which for many years they've said they don't want to know about. But now they're sort of thinking about, will there be a, a Q branch series or um, a Money Penny series? Which I think would be great. And I think, of course, you could do that with Highlander. And I think, I wonder, I don't know, but if, if I was the, had the purse strings or, or owned the rights to it and I wanted to make a lot of money, the idea of having that five series or six series, whatever it is, and then spin-offs, you could do a, a, a mini-series or a web-series based on some other immortal and um, that kind of, just that expanded. And I think we're just in a different world now that you could, you could do that and have more novels and audio dramas. And so my, I suppose in my mind, it's just go big, just, just, just go big and have fun with it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and they're all looking for that next Game of Thrones. You know, they're all hungry for that, for that market. And it seems well, like this is, yeah. you know, right there in that niche. Well, Outlander seems to have done quite well. Uh, and when I, say to, when I say to people I'm writing a book on Highlander, a lot of younger people seem to think I'm talking about Outlander and, and I get some funny looks or, yeah, I love that show. And uh, no, yep. it's not that one. Yeah, I get that all the <laughs> yeah. time. I'm like, I'm like yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, we do this Highlander podcast. Oh, Jamie is so hot. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. point made, but. Um... My mom loves Outlander and when I first told her about this she was like outlander and i was like no highlander and she still like gets confused <laughs> we've been doing this for five years uh yeah. boy but uh yeah well that's that, that's, well this is it and film in scotland of course I, I think you know we don't have a film studio here sadly a, a proper film studio the outlander guys have built uh their own studio but that series i think is due to only run another year or two so um, maybe they could take over that and uh but actually bizarrely sean i don't know if you know that no reason there's no reason you would know this but sean connery's son jason has before covid and the pandemic it was announced that he was opening scotland's first film studio oh wow. in wow. edinburgh uh and there was photos there's photos online of him standing in this huge warehouse uh you know aircraft hire thing and then of course this pandemic hit but that oh. would be kind of uh weird uh if who knows? Maybe one day they end up making a Highlander series in that in that in that building. Maybe Jason could could cameo. <laughs> that would be really maybe cool. You maybe you could cameo. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe we'll go with that. Cooks is dad out of retirement too. Mm. Yeah, I mean, That'd it seems cool. it seems. I mean, again, you know, I keep saying this. I we, none of us know what's happening behind the scenes, but. I mean, the, the reaction I've had to this book has been um, slightly, almost, well, I was going to say astonishing. It's, it's maybe not quite astonishing, but it's amazing. Anyway, let's say that. Um, I've, had, I've been overwhelmed by the amount of interest online and tweets and Facebook posts and um, messages and things. And uh, that's obviously brilliant. And I would just, but I didn't know, based on Tremors, which was, has a fan base, but not, no podcasts and no Facebook. Well, a Facebook page now, but it didn't have five years ago. Um, it's just, so that you know, there is a huge, there is a fan base. It's just that thing of it's not, 
it's not Star Wars level. I'm sure you've said this before, or, or words to this effect. It's um, the, this. It's not that level, of course, of Star Wars, but it's there's something there. And and if you're a studio, why would you not try and capitalize on when you get to the very bottom of it, people's money? I mean, that's what the studios oh, yeah. want. Isn't it? They want people to pay money to watch something. So take our money, and I will I will happily spend five pounds or six pounds to watch Highlander every month. Uh, you know week to no. watch um, to, to, to have Netflix or whatever it is so yeah it seems Absolutely. crazy they wouldn't, they wouldn't do something like that but I mean I think I think we're all probably thankful that it's not at Star Wars level just considering the uh, mm. status of the Star Wars fandom right now <laughs> <It seems a> little, <laughs> that's true a little hairy but uh, <laughs> yeah and we'd yeah. be one of, uh, you know, a hundred Star Wars podcasts and probably really like at the bottom of the, the rung. Yeah. At the top, yeah. At the <laughs> top right. baby. Oh, at the top. Yeah. I see. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, speaking of taking your money, where can people give you their money? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where can people find this book? Uh, and how can they get it and when? Yeah. Well, the book came out on September the 17th. So uh, in the UK. But it doesn't come out until uh, in, in, in well the rest of the world until later in the year because it's a UK publisher, and they have to send the copies out basically as simple as that. Uh, and so I mean Amazon is of course one place to buy it. Feel free if you want to. Um, I mean if you can support your local bookstore, that's even better I think. But I know that most people do go to Amazon these days. Uh, if you want to get it a little bit sooner. The publisher in the UK can is sending. We we we've done a uh, an order like a pre-order deal, if you like, on the website, um, and you can you can buy it from PolarisPublishing.com, and uh, it's the it's it's full price. So I think Amazon maybe of course again knocks a few quid off, but it's it's seventeen pounds. I'm I'm not going to try and work out that is in, in US dollars. <laughs> but it's it's seventy pounds plus I think eight pounds postage, which is um but he will send that out with a booklet as well. So we've done a little booklet which has extra photos. I was trying to see if I had a copy with me. But oh nice. Well I do actually I do have a little booklet here. Um so it's just we, we came up with this little extra this little box is so I can sign it and put a number on it. But it's got a few things in there like the the beach. So this oh, is the original, original map that they use to try and find the beach that they run along. Uh, and then just some behind-the-scenes photos from uh, in Glencoe, which have not been seen before because it was people who I interviewed for the book that took their camera along and they filmed things like the, the Kurgan's helmet abandoned on a rock there. And <laughs> as a really That's nice amazing. photo as well of Clancy just sitting on a horse. That's great. And that's such, that's such a great like compliment to the book to have like a, a glossy uh, booklet like that. That's awesome. Are yeah. You- yeah. So it, that's free as well. So if you do buy that on the website, it's, we'll just bung it in for free. So, um, so yeah, there's a few choices really. The, the website is the, I think it's the quickest way to get it if people want to read it and uh, sooner, but yeah. So people should look for the link to that somewhere down here <laughs> yep. below the video in the show notes. You can right. find that there. And you know, we now know you get this whole extra bonus stuff. That's amazing. Right. And so also we'd like to announce uh, there is another way to get a copy of this book 
Oh, what? Uh, what? what? <laughs> uh, so um, today we'd like to announce that we're going to do a contest uh, to give away two copies of the book. Um, there, it and there it is. All right. So here are the rules to the contest. If you'd like to win a copy of A Kind of Magic, the making of the original Highlander by Jonathan Melville. So you have to write us in an essay. That's right. It's an essay contest. But don't worry. It's only a few words, 250 words or less. And you have to tell us what you think Connor McLeod's favorite book is. What's the book that he pulls off the shelf anytime he needs to read something good? And uh, it can be serious if you'd like, but we'd also, you know, like some humorous suggestions uh, that are not just funny, but really based on what you think Connor McLeod might enjoy reading. Uh, you know, what fits his character the best. So send us an essay of 250 words or less, what your favorite or what you think Connor McLeod's favorite book is. Uh, and those submissions are due to us. Uh, today is, I guess, September uh, 22nd. Um, the submissions are due in two weeks on October 6th. Um, and we'll remind you in next week's episode to uh, get those submissions in. And then we'll be announcing the winners on the 13th. And we're going to announce the winners based on uh, how well we think it fits uh, Connor McLeod's character and how funny your suggestion is. And it's going to be great because Jonathan is going to be one of the judges. Oh. Absolutely. No, it sounds, sounds great fun. Uh, so that'll be really fun. Um, and so Jonathan's going to pick a winner and we're going to pick another winner. Um, and you can send your submissions to HighlanderRewatched at gmail.com. Again, it's HighlanderRewatched at gmail.com. Um, and just put in the subject uh, Connor's book uh, as your subject heading, just so we can, you know, sort the emails a little easier. And uh, we really can't wait to read them. We're going to read them on uh, air or at least some of our favorites, depending on how many we get. Um, so yeah, that's going to be really fun. So if you'd like to win a copy of the book, make sure to send us an email. And we'll have details and, in the description and stuff as well. And emails only. Don't send us Facebook messages yep. or Instagram DMs. Every or, time. Let's, every let's time. rant about this real quick. Every time we do one of these, we say, send us an email. And then someone says, oh, let me just send a Facebook message. That's not an email. Yeah. Anyway, also. <laughs> You're not special. You won't win. <laughs> And 250 words or less. It's very easy to do a word count. Uh, you know, you just highlight it and click word count or whatever. Uh, if it's over that, you're gone. You're gone. That's it. This is a hardcore contest. There can be only, well, two. Two, uh, yeah. But, but respect the rules of the game, as it were. So This is high stakes, folks. That's this right. is a good book. We're not having any cheaters. Yeah, that's right. You got to earn this book. No, this is, yeah. this is really exciting. I can't read to, wait to read the rest of the book. Uh, it's really a treat. Uh, I think Highlander fans have been waiting probably their whole lives for something like this. So, Well, that's brilliant. And as I say, that's the book I wanted to read. And uh, I, 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 yeah, I've written the book I wanted to read and now I can read it. So I'll go and read it now, I think. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us. And where can people find you if they want to see what you're up to? Um, I don't know. I suppose Twitter is probably the easiest place. Uh, John, J-O-N underscore Melville is, is where I am. Um, yeah, and I'm always tweeting. At the moment, I'm just tweeting about the book, really. So people must hate me, but... No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really a great book. Uh, I, I just Anybody that listens to this podcast will really enjoy this book. Um, it's so. a self-selecting audience, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, any, anybody that's interested in film, I think, will like this book. Yeah. Like, I'd go so far as to say that. It's a great book. I hope what if so. you I like Highlander it. but hate films? I don't I think you're going to like it. It's oh, a weird, all right. that's okay, a weird good. combination, but... Uh, <laughs> 
Oh, we, yeah. we before we wrap up, we should also make mention of uh, what's in the last chapter of this book because you interviewed, I think, some extremely important people. Uh, us Extraordinarily. Three. Yes. And, and oh, just we, make, we make an appearance. So, <laughs> so you have our, our, our uh, you know, stupid mugs a plug. Uh, we're in the book too. That's so we got true. a couple yeah. quotes. So that's my yeah. personal favorite chapter. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the hardest chapter to write. Um, <laughs> you know. Did lots we just give you too much good stuff? And yeah. You had to, yeah, yeah, lots of egos to try and... I just sift through a lot of garbage from these people. To... I think it was just the, the controversial nature of what, what you were saying. And I, and I thought, am I going to get sued if I leave this in? So that was we're when all I was very earlier on. Yeah. We, we, earlier we on to... when I was, I was talking about getting sued, that's actually what I was alluding to. Yeah. So. Yeah. I sue people for a living, so it actually works out. <laughs> there you um, go. Well, I might need your help. sort of I'm true. Out. I'm actually need your help if anyone does get in touch with any complaints. So I'll, I'll, send, I'll send you my card. Um, <laughs> I'll send but, you the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not highly to rewatch anymore. It's highly to rebuttal, I think. There we go. Um, <laughs> not good. Sorry, guys. Wordplay. But thank you so much, John. We appreciate it so very much. You taking the time to be here. Talk about your book. Thank have you. a little fun with us today. Yep. Bye, bye, bye. Buy it now, guys. Yeah, and I should also just say I, I stole some content from your, your podcast, so you maybe noticed that. Uh, I do reference it at the end of the book, but because you've done amazing interviews and you got some stuff I don't have, uh, mm -hmm. I did, I did um, steal from you. Oh, cool. So. Do we get a little, like, kickback on the... <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. no, no. I don't think so. No. <laughs> That's okay. but, uh, but it makes the book look better, so... There we uh, go. So thank you. Thank you for those interviews and everything you do as well, because it's, uh, you know, we just wouldn't get this stuff otherwise. Oh, yeah. Well, apart from my book, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's great. One thing I want to mention, I know we're trying to wrap up here, but uh, you, you had a picture of the flyer Edwin Itzi-Atkins was talking about. Yeah. Which I thought it was fascinating. The um, like, turn on your lights. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> oh, he yeah. referenced that in an interview with us. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, that was so cool to see that picture. I think he was trying to get it to us, and he, he couldn't find it at the time. But uh, it was just really. Is cool it is it okay if picture. I show the picture or? Uh, yeah, I I will share it with everyone. Hold on. Uh, you but guys can the, continue through talking. Through the power of Zoom. <laughs> That's right. But for people that don't remember, it was like a flyer he handed out to people so they would keep their lights on. Is that is that? correct i yeah. think yeah to, uh, to to set the stage for some of those new york shots that's right uh, and he he talked to, to us about it he's quite the character uh and he talked to us in great detail about this flyer uh which you can hear on our edwin edwin itzy atkins episode but uh, yeah well that's another one i although i spoke to him i did he said again when i listened to your, your interview he said some things i he hadn't told me so I, 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 again, I borrowed a couple of uh -oh. quotes from him. Uh -oh. as well, that nope. wasn't the right, uh, I'm sorry. It's not showing. Oh, oh it's playing. A, it's because it's playing a slideshow, guys. What's going why is on? It playing a slideshow? I don't know why it was playing a slideshow. So there we go. Here's the picture. PowerPoint. There it is. There's the, uh, the flyer. I don't know if I can zoom in any closer. Uh, that's, that's but you'll have to get the book, I guess, since I can't zoom in on, uh, on Zoom. That's counterintuitive. That's Zoom's a, that's fix a counterintuitive that. I mean, thing. It's right yeah. there in the name. Uh, so guy, get the book so you can read all the details on the flyer. Uh, but it's so cool. I, just, I know, again, we're wrapping up here, but can I ask you a Jonah. question? Just, sure. I'm it interested yeah. because I, uh, I'm so immersed in it all. What interview, I know you've maybe not all completely finished it, but so far, 
what interview have you found the most interesting or or you weren't expecting it maybe just out of interest Ooh, Ooh. that's a good question i'm trying to think who who is i can't uh, remember everyone's everyone's name either right. but yeah. just to present a thing that Andy Armstrong was a great interview. That was the one that he was jumped out guy. to me because he, yeah. he had just, he had really vivid memories of, you know, just the practical experience of shooting some pretty intricate shots and was yeah. really very forthcoming with a lot of information about it, which was very yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah. And for us, or for me, at least, that was stuff I had never heard about before, uh, I think. So that was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. And B.D. Edney, who Keith spoke to, uh, because... Just with the time difference. <laughs> the time I difference. I was up at like five in the morning or something like <laughs> yeah. that. And I, my voice is raspy on the recording. I yeah. felt so bad. I was but like, good morning, she baby. She sounded so so nice. I mean, yeah. Keith actually talked to her. but And she just had really good good stories and everything. Um, so she was she was great to listen to. I know yeah, and good fun too. Like I, I think she talked about, you know, getting drunk and going on a, a helicopter ride with the producers to the set because they were late or something. I don't know, all sorts of fun <laughs> stuff, so... Cool. Yeah, that's Great. good stuff. And of course, we recently got during this, I think thanks to this pandemic, we finally got a few minutes with uh, Lambert. And I don't know, it, that was a little surreal. Yeah, was that like, was You're just the good Thunder fun God too. Raiden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's uh, I spoke to him for an hour, an hour and a half. Um, wow. In the end, he phoned me one, he was meant to phone on the Saturday. And he didn't phone. And I thought, oh, there we go. That's, that's failed. That's and that. <laughs> Yeah, and the next day, I think I was just sitting on my on my couch in in the living room, and he the phone went, and of course, and it said I don't know Paris or France or something, and it was him. And uh, and after about an hour, I thought I'd asked him all my questions, and I said to him, uh, "Okay, well, thank you." And he said, "No, no, I'm fine. I'll, let's keep talking." So we got another half an hour. That's great. Nice. That's awesome. He, he was very generous with us as well. Um, we we kind of did something in the, the technical difficulties were there and he, he kind of did a second interview with us so that was just oh. really cool yeah yeah he's, he's he's great and it's i think the, the highlander the franchise and the fans are lucky that he's such a nice guy i suppose and that he's still after all these years happy to talk about it i mean i guess i'm guessing he maybe sometimes these guys do go through like maybe like clancy but they have these times and they're like oh i'm so sick of this part this role but he's really, of course, embraced it now, hasn't he? And it's, he agreed, he just accepts that instead of Dirty Harry, you know, Eastwood has D Dirty Harry and uh, um, I don't know, all these, these actors have these, Connery has Bond, he's got uh, Chris, um, Connor McLeod. So I hope he gets to do that part again. I'd love to see him. I hope, I don't know how, I don't know how they would do it, but even if, if there's a, if a, re a reboot, Maybe he becomes a clan elder or something like that. But. That'd be great. Give him a, give him a cameo. Let him do the laugh and do a really intense stare at somebody, and I will be <laughs> I will be over the moon. Force ghost. He's a, a force ghost. ghost. Yeah. <laughs> but then later they're just going to sub him out for Hayden Christensen anyway. So yeah. why bother? Um, anyway, I keep I'm keeping you back. We're, we I keep we keep extending our. <laughs> wrap up. This, is oh, this, this has been really fun to talk jonathan and uh yeah we can't wait uh to read more of the book and we can't wait for all the fans out there to get their hands on a copy and uh really get into it because i think everyone's gonna get a lot out of it uh so yeah we can't wait uh for the contest too and again remember send us those submissions you got two weeks uh so it's gonna be really fun and we'll have all those details on the the facebook page so 
uh, it's going to be great. So thank you again, Jonathan, for coming on the show and taking the time to, to, to do the interview and the years it took to write the book. Uh, really thank you for that. Um, thank you. It's really thank special. You. So awesome. Cheers. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you next time, I guess, or uh, on the yeah. podcast. We've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye.